Hello, this is Donna Reesh of Character Inc. That is Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar, Character Inc. Publishing, Homeschooling with Character, and Language Lady. I'm here today to continue our podcast episode from last week about how to turn unusually high-need preschoolers into the darling angels they were meant to be. Um, Hopefully you were able to listen last week. This is really the sequel to that one. Last week in which I discussed um, some opening thoughts, uh, starting the day out right with preschoolers, that how more structure brings more peace, and how to uh, schedule your preschoolers' day in such a way that there isn't the boredom and the um, high unnecessary high needs, and there isn't there also isn't just unlimited um, uh, boundaryless days. In other words, his day is filled with structure and boundaries, but yet also is filled with. Um, fun and enjoyment for both of you actually. So I wanted to tackle, uh, I mentioned that I was answering some questions for some people through this podcast episode which is what Wondering Wednesday is all about. Um, And this particular one, one of the gals that I was talking with, I know that she does a lot of last week's suggestions. I know, for example, that, um, you know, they have behavior absolutes in their home as far as, you know, this is what we are always going to allow. This is what we're always not going to allow. Um, I know, you know, that there are bedtimes and getting up times and, and spending time with mom first thing in the morning and consistency and schedules and uh, audio use. So um, a lot of that stuff. I also know that she's doing a lot with structuring um, her day. And um, I hope you can uh, join last week's podcast episode, if you didn't hear it yet, where I talk about blocks of time of day. This is good for preschoolers. It's also good to start with toddlers, and it is even good for older children who are homeschooled to think in terms of blocks of the time of day, as opposed to you do school and then freedom, or as opposed to this rigid schedule that you can't keep, but instead blocks of time. Blocks of time are especially helpful for preschoolers because time is such an abstract concept to them. So, you know, he's not looking at, I'm up, I've got a long time, you know, I'm bored already. And so, uh, just a lot of good information that I that I know really helped me with my preschoolers. Our last three preschoolers, one of them was very um, uh, high need, very um, uh, difficult to manage, Um at times as a toddler and a preschooler, especially as a toddler, but things did get quite a bit better with preschool. But our last three or four uh, kids, you know, we really had so much of the structure in place. And um, as I said last week, they just woke up every day uh, looking forward to the day, just couldn't wait to get started, couldn't wait to uh, have their time with their siblings and their time alone and, and all that because they knew what was coming. Um, I do want to talk about four specific problems uh, that could come up during the day of a preschooler and um, and try to solve those one at a time. First of all, there are two important points that you uh, need to understand that I hope you can understand uh, for solving daily occurrence problems. That are, that is, these are problems that are recurring. These are problems that... um, you, you continue to have. And so um, there are things that you c- need to continue to have 
um, solutions for that you need to continue to have uh, an approach to. And so the first one is that um, you always need to move from gray to black and white. Now on this short podcast episode, I don't have enough time to do what is almost one entire session of our Raising Kids with Character or Homeschooling with Character Parenting Seminar. Um, But it is nearly one whole session. And I do have a podcast episode that's called Raising Kids with Character Terms and Concepts. Raising Kids with Character Seminar. Um terms and concepts. And so if you can listen to that, I think you'll get a good handle about what I'm describing here. I'm going to explain it quickly, but uh, there's a lot more information there. That is that the most important thing that you can do in trying to solve ongoing problems and actually in all behavior problems with your children um, is to take them from gray to black and white. We have a tendency to parent in the gray. And when we parent in the gray, we have no confidence in what we are doing and our kids are loosey-goosey. They don't know what's expected. They um, can really uh, t- use that to their advantage. Um, they can take advantage of you in that. Um, you know, I hate to seem negative towards children because if you know me, you know that I adore children. Um, but in part, I adore children because in every situation that I'm with with children, whether it is in the nursery at church or whether I'm teaching 100 students writing and language arts every semester or whether I'm raising my own children, whatever it is in every situation, uh, I have we have the type of atmosphere and the type of environment so that the children are able to be enjoyed. You know, they, they obey, they're cheerful, they're content. And, and not that you won't enjoy your kids or you don't like your kids if they're not those things. I don't mean that. But take a day, look at a day that you have in your life where your kids are having really bad behavior and they're not listening and they're fighting and there are all these things going on that you wish were not going on, that you do not like. And how you feel in that situation, how you feel defeated, how you feel towards your children, even negative. Even though you don't want to, you know, it's it, you have these negative feelings because you're just like, why are they doing this? You know, what in the world? And and I just feel like I have no control and that type of thing. And then contrast that with a day in which you do have control, a day in which the children do get along with each other and and they obey and they're content. And you have a, this day that you just look at and you think, I have been so blessed and think how you feel towards your children. Not that you love them more now or you love them less on the other day, but your feelings are positive and you can enjoy them so much more. And so um, getting to the point where you can solve problems uh, that arise with preschoolers will, will help you to get a handle on it. You'll have control and you'll feel a lot better in your parenting and you'll enjoy your children so much more. So moving from gray to black and white, when you parent in the gray, things are vague. When you parent in the gray, you are making blanket statements of rules, you're making guidelines, you're making um, uh, what laws or concepts, precepts that you want in your home, just kind of on the seat of your pants, off the seat of your pants, and on a whim, you're not really... Uh, making it for sure. So you're like, well, I don't want you to be rough on the furniture. Okay. That is parenting in the gray. Parenting in the gray is, you know, I made a vague command and so I'm going to get a vague 
behavioral response from the children because you have not given them parameters you've not given them guidelines instead you've been vague and so um, that the response to that will be a gray response and it could be something like oh I didn't know that it was rough on the furniture when we took the cushions off to make tents I thought it was only if we climbed on it and maybe you don't want them making tents personally. I never cared if they made tents, but some people do. And so, um, you know, my kids always had the cushions off. That was okay with me. I'm, I'm not very particular about things, but um, those type of things, childish things don't bother me. And, um, but, but if you don't want them taking the cushions off, and if that to you is being rough on the furniture, your vague command to not be rough on the furniture is not going to cut it. And so you got to move that from vague, from gray to black and white. And that is the way it is with all four of these areas of problems that you might encounter during the day with preschoolers. And so instead of, I don't want you to be rough on the furniture, it is, oh, I don't want you to be rough on the furniture, and these are the things that I feel tear up the furniture or that are rough on the furniture that I do not want to happen. And then you make the make a list of those. You talk about it. You make a charge. You discuss it. You um, give warnings. You train. You teach. You give alternatives. And you give consequences so that it is all so black and white. You don't say, if you're standing in line at McDonald's, I want you to stay near me. What is near you? What if he touches something? You didn't say you didn't want him to touch something. You said you wanted him to stay near. What's near? Does he think it's near if he's over by the display instead of right beside you? And so all of this vagueness leads to frustration in parenting. And so you have to move it from gray to black and white. The next important point for daily occurrence problems is to always make it your child's choice to disobey or do something so that they can take ownership of their behaviors. Now, this is a transition. It's not going to happen immediately at age three, but I'm going to give you some scenarios in which they can start taking ownership. And I'm going to give you some wording, language, some signaling words and things in which will help you help them take ownership of their behaviors that they are choosing to disobey because you're not going to make it gray you're going to make it black and white so then it is so clear so crystal clear what the expectations are that they are looking at you and they're basically saying I'm choosing to do this anyway and you want that to happen because you want it to be his choice to disobey because then he has, instead of, you know, trying to quote unquote get by with something, everything's so black and white, he's choosing to not do it, and he also knows these are the consequences, and he's choosing to, to get those consequences. He's basically saying, I want the consequences. So the first one um, is uh, fighting, napping, and uh, not staying, in, not napping, not staying in bed, and... Um, no quiet time. Now this is kind of, I touched on this last week when I talked about starting your morning out. So I'm not going to go back over again and again and again, the whole more, the whole sleeping schedule thing. But I will say that the same thing that I said last week is true, that if you start out with kids on the loose, you see you have a loose day. You've just chosen to have a loose day because you let kids on the loose. And so you are upset with them. They are kids. Yes, they're going to get up if they're three or four years old and start getting into things. They're going to start playing. They're going to want food. They're going to make messes. They're not. And, but yet, really, if you're letting them up, you're choosing that. So, you know, we say this all the time in our parenting seminars. You have parents' responsibilities. If you don't fulfill your responsibilities, 
then you are choosing to have these problems. And I know, you know, that's not what parents want to hear. They, everybody wants to hear, you know, all these feel-good things. But we have to take responsibility for our own parenting. And so if you are choosing to not make them stay in bed until a certain time, not make some kind of guidelines or whatever, then you are choosing to have loose children and a loose day. And um, so that you can hear more about that last week. But uh, more than just this is there's going to be a period of time, quite possibly, when your children will grow out of their naps. And um, um, my kids still had what we called quiet time every day until they were six. And um, so I say that to say that if your child outgrows a nap at three, that doesn't mean that he's just loose all the time. It doesn't mean that you have no peace because now he's no nap. That isn't what that means because you are in control of your day and you are in control of the preschooler's day. So you're setting the tone for it. So what do you want to happen? So I wouldn't even call it outgrowing a nap. I would call it transitioning from sleeping to resting or from napping to quiet time. I wouldn't even make a period of time after the nap in which there is nothing. I would go from the nap to quiet time. So that as he starts to outgrow the nap, and most children need more rest than we give them, and that's one reason why they're so grouchy. Oftentimes then we're upset because they're grouchy, but really it's our fault because we didn't give them their proper nap and their proper sleep. But um, transition, in other words, he says, I don't, I'm not sleepy, I can't fall asleep, da, 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 da. You're noticing that if he sleeps, he doesn't go to bed as well that night, he doesn't fall asleep as well, he gets up too early in the morning, whatever. You see signs and, and signals that, you know, he is outgrowing his nap. Um, but what's happening is instead of saying, okay, no more naps then, you're too old for naps or whatever, then you just say, you know what, I've noticed that you don't fall asleep during nap time very much anymore. Or I've noticed that it's hard for you to fall asleep at night. It seems to me like you might not need to sleep as much during the day. And, you know, this is completely based on what time he goes to bed, what time he gets up. You determine all of that based on your family needs. But then at that time, you transition. You say, so I'm not expecting you to fall asleep anymore, but I want you to have quiet time. And then you talk. What do you think quiet time looks like? You know, and don't talk too much about it because you are the parent. It's not like he's a teenager that you're going to talk to him about a schedule. But you can say, you know, to me, I still think that you probably need to rest for an hour or so or whatever it is that you need, uh, but you don't have to sleep. And so then you can just decide what that is. I talked last week about not letting electronics just be available all the time, but you could say something like, I can see a quiet time being like where we set a timer and for you know, 20 minutes, you rest and look at books. For 20 minutes, you have a story tape. And then for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, you have one episode of whatever it might be. Um, if you want to use Netflix or something like that for 30 minutes. I would caution against having a two-hour quiet time in which it's just all watching things. Um, because then they do that all afternoon, and then they have then you watch something in the evenings as well. And I'm really big on developing focusing skills. I think that too much of that will take away from a preschooler's ability to learn focusing skills. So don't go from napping to no napping. Go from napping to resting, napping to quiet time. I can remember when um, my third child was six and she wasn't having her quiet time anymore. She would just 
follow me around and talk and talk and talk. And I'd gotten used to this whole, where I had this whole schedule down, where I would read for two hours to the children, and then I would get up and have a late lunch, like at two in the afternoon. And I had this one-hour period where um, I looked at magazines and homeschool curriculum and catalogs, and I just, I waited for it every day. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it would be the equivalent of if you weren't online all day long, and then at 2 o'clock you got to do something for one hour, and you could do whatever you wanted. And at that time, I always studied homeschooling, and that's, that was what I did. I mean, that's, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to help homeschoolers, and I read homeschooling books, I read how to teach books, I read, reread my textbooks from my master's degree in reading specialist, and looked at um, homeschool magazines and catalogs, and that was my big thing, homeschool catalogs and stuff. That was my big thing every afternoon. Well, here she was, our two hours of story time, That those hours were over, and she was just there, and she's, you know, just an absolute dolly. She still is, but she would follow me around and literally just not stop talking, and I was like, you know, I still need my time, even though you don't need your time anymore. So I'm embarrassed to say this, but it is kind of funny, actually. And, and the kids still, I mean, even as recently as a month ago, they were teasing her about how she talked so much when she was six years old that mom had to set a timer for her for a half an hour that she couldn't talk. So that's what we really did. Set a timer for 30 minutes. We had these uh, little timers that you can't, that you know that are portable. They weren't on the phone or electronic or anything. They were just you know you just flip the dial over, and so we would set her timer for thirty minutes. And during that thirty minutes, she wasn't supposed to talk to me unless she really needed something. Now it sounds really heartless, but at, you know desperate times call for desperate measures, and I was feeling pretty desperate by this time because I had, oh wow, I probably had a an eleven. Eight, six, four, two, you know. And so, um, yeah, that was a busy time. And so she wouldn't talk during that time, but she would literally follow me around. She would carry that timer and she would just go wherever I went. She wouldn't say anything because she was always obedient. She wouldn't say anything, but she would just follow me around. She had her timer in her hand and she would just walk around. And if I sat down at the table and looked at a mag magazine or a catalog, she sat down at the table and looked at books. If I was in the uh, other room, you know, sorting drawers, I did that a lot too. I like to sort things. Uh, she would come in there and sit on the floor and do something, have her timer in her hand, and she would just watch that timer until the 30 minutes were up. So, um, and then she could talk. And then she had a lot of words saved up by then. And, um, so, and she and I still like to talk a lot. She's 26 now, 20 years later, actually. And we still like to talk a lot. So, um, that was just a really sweet memory for me. Anyway, um, so again, this, these are your things to handle. These are your, so your problems that you can take control of. That's the other thing is, is not to feel like you can't, you can, you can change the things that you want to change. Okay, I want to move into fighting because uh, a lot of times we have preschoolers, there are a couple of them, and um, this seems to be a big problem along, among preschoolers, especially when you homeschool and they're loose, you know, again, go back to that last week's podcast where the block schedules are and, and don't make so much time when there's just all this time for them to fight, um, but... Uh, here are some tips that I would like to give you for this. Keeping in mind that these, that the language and the, uh, you know, him saying a certain thing and you saying a certain thing, that takes time to develop that. 
But you are taking the problem of fighting from Gray. Stop fighting. Why don't you guys get along? Can you guys not do that? You guys have to get along today. You guys can't bicker today. You guys can't argue today. I'm not going to put up with that arguing today. You take it from that Gray and you take it into black and white. So you get to get all together to solve it. Now, if it's not too common, you can use conflict resolution with them. And there are a lot of materials out there about conflict resolution. Uh, and we would just walk through these steps with our children, helping them to solve problems between the two of them. With preschoolers, a lot of times it's, it's too common to really do a lot of conflict resolution. And it's also too um, uh, trivial. Now, when they're older, you know, 8, 10, 12, then that, those are the years that we really focused on conflict, conflict resolution and on teaching them to understand how the other person feels and solving those things. But in the, at, at, at this time, maybe, maybe not on the conflict resolution. But if it's co too common, don't try to solve every issue because they just really need to learn to stop and just submit at first and stop the fighting all the time. So my first suggestion is that you use a certain wording that they know is a key. They have to have a signal sentence, so to speak. Now, there are a couple ways to do this. You can have, but you need to have something physical, um, tangible, uh, that they can move or they can manipulate themselves. Basically, so that they are saying, I'm choosing, I know I'm doing this, I'm choosing to, so now it's my responsibility to put the sticker on or whatever it might be. So your wording here, if they're fighting, this is your fight warning. Okay, whatever your wording is, make it the same all the time. This is your fight warning. Go put a frown face on the fight chart. All right. You have them do this. Don't you do it. You want them to take ownership for their fighting. This is your fight warning. Go put a frown face on the fight chart. Okay, uh, you know, if it's the second time, this is your second fight warning. If you have to put a third frown face on the chart, remember, you will lose blank. All right, so these are your words. This is your fight warning. Go put a frown face on the fight chart. This is your second fight warning. Go put a frown face on the fight chart. If you have to put a third frown face on the chart, remember, you will lose blank. Make it the same thing all the time for a while. Uh, maybe you even talk about this uh, with dad and have them decide, you know, if I fight three times in one morning or however, whatever your time period is, because maybe it's so common you have to do it per hour to start with, I will lose blank. Okay, then do what needs done for that scenario. Put the toy away, send them to separate rooms, whatever it might be. Um, if the third fight warning is used or whatever number you decide, decided based on his age, current level of fighting, etc. Have him put his frown face on the chart and do another physical action that makes him take possession of his actions. So, um, uh, for example, there might be popsicle sticks in a general jar um, and then you might have jars on the counter and one of the popsicle sticks might say, in the general jar, might say three fights equals no electronics tomorrow. And uh, when he puts his third uh, frowny face sticker on the fighting chart, you would say, now go move your popsicle stick into, go move a popsicle stick into your jar. And he would go take the three fights equals no electronics and put it in his jar. Or three fights equals no TV or movie tonight. Put it in his jar after he does the, the frowny face. Okay. I recommend that the punishment is something not right at that moment. 
Now, if they're young three-year-olds, it might have to be something immediate, but definitely four and up when you're trying four, five, six, and even seven, you're, when you're trying to eliminate this, you already have to be the one to make them put the frowny face sticker uh, stickies on. You already have to be the one to make them take their popsicle stick and move it to the jar or whatever you're doing, whatever physical, tangible activity, uh, physical uh, action he is doing. If you're the one who also, and you already have to solve it, you already have to put the toy away, you already have to take something away from them, you already have to separate them into two rooms, whatever it might be. So if you can make the punishment something that can be enforced when dad is home, I would really recommend you do that because it's so much on mom to try to do all this. So, um, you know, I would probably just meet together. We're going to stop the fighting. And just like I've said in every other podcast episode, one thing at a time. And also at the blog, Character Inc. blog. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. We're not going to solve everything on here. We're not going to solve naps, getting up in the morning, talking all the time, whining, fighting. We're not going to solve everything at one time. So choose one thing, have a meeting, maybe have dad even start the meeting. Mom tells me that there's a lot of fighting still going on during the day. So we are going to stop the fighting. And we're, we're going to stop the fighting by doing this. Mom or dad will say, this is your fight warning. Go put a frowny sticker on the fight chart or whatever it might be. And we'll remind you, you have two more or whatever. Then the next time we'll say, go put a sticker on the fight chart. This is a second frowny face sticker. Remember, third time you lose blank. And talk it through with them. Let them know what's going to happen. Have them say, you know, what kind of things can I lose for this? What kind of things can I, you know, what punishment or consequences can I have for fighting in that way? All right, and then if you make it something like no movie, movie or TV tonight or no electronics on Saturday or something when dad is home, then you are not the bad guy in every single situation. So I recommend doing that if you are able to do that. Um, with the really young kids, telling a three-year-old that might not work. Um, you know, if the child, child just turned three, now tonight, you know, you're not going to get any movie night or you're not going to, you know, no, I, no, you can't use mom and dad's iPad until tomorrow now or whatever, um, you know, that might be hard. So make it uh, fit the age. All right, I want to move into the next one, which is whining. And again, we're going to use signal words to stop this. So um, one of the things that they need to know that you have decided once you're really going to work on whining, and again, you're not working on more than one thing, but once they know that you're really going to work on whining is I'm going to give you a signal that gives you the opportunity to change. Do you see how we're taking it from gray to black and white? Do you see how we're taking it from loosey-goosey to structure? Do you see how we're taking it from mom putting this on you to you embracing it? You are choosing. You're choosing. You put the frowny sticker on. You picked up the popsicle stick. You knew you were going to do that because as soon as this happens, that happens. As soon as this happens, that happens. And you knew that and you did it anyway. So signal words for this. I mean, all, these are just some suggestions. You can use whatever you want. But for whining, I will not listen to you right now with that voice. You don't even have to use whiny, fussy, you know, whatever. You can just say, I will not listen to you right now with that voice. 
All right. Now, the key here is that if you say, I will not listen to you right now with that voice, change it, and he changes it a tiny bit, then he's still right in front of you and nothing has really gotten his attention, right? Because you say, if you say, I will not listen to you right now with that voice, and he says, okay, then I just don't think, and maybe it hasn't gotten that much better, right? So we're going to have him have a physical action to go with it. So you use a signal word, I will not listen to you right now with that voice. That's important because it's his voice, right? And you're saying, I can't even hear you. Not only am I not going to answer you, I can't even listen. I can't even hear you, whatever your signal is. You may go to the bedroom and come back with the normal voice if you want. All right, you want a real change on a physical action. You may go to the bedroom and come back with a normal voice if you want. When he comes back, if he has the right voice, say, that is great. So praise the correct voice even if the answer to the question is no. But don't say yes just because he changed his voice, right? Because it's easy to change your voice if you think you're going to get what you want all the time, right? So, I mean, some, some kids are happy all the time because they're never told no. You know, if it's no, it's no. You know, it's just, it just is. And, you know, sometimes they just have to accept that it's no. So when he comes back, as he had the right voice say, that's great. That's the right voice. Um, and uh, then you, he can say, you know, you can say it and you can give him the answer. Um, if he comes back with the same voice or whining is super common occurrence that cannot be changed with moving away and coming back so forth, you might create a whining chart just like we had the fighting chart. So if he comes back with the same voice, say, I still cannot hear you. You are choosing to get a frown on the whining chart. Okay? Put it on him. Tell him that he's the one that's choosing it. Go put your frowny face on the chart. If the answer is no, maybe he did change his voice, but the answer is no, and he started whining again, give him a chance to stop. This is your chance to accept what I said and stop. Right? The the thing with preschoolers is that we just go, stop, no, don't do that, no, don't do that. Make it an, an exact action, an exact word that gets an exact response. So uh, this is your chance to accept what I said and stop whining again. And if they do not, have them put another frowny face on. Okay? Um, and there's another one about asking for things over and over in just a second. But anyway, uh, if Again, you're using the whining chart just like the fighting chart, but not together, not at the same time, not everything. Determine ahead of time with the child and or dad how many frowns the child can get before consequences. Again, I try to make it losing something important either when dad is home or the next day after dad has a chance to support you in it. All right. But these key words with the, with the fighting, this is your fight warning. Go put a frowny face on. See, nothing's really happening to him as a result of fighting at this point um, other than getting a frowny face and separating or whatever um, because he's a little kid and you're giving him chances to correct himself. But, you know, if the kid fighting continues, then there has to be a time when he has to say, you know what, I'm choosing to fight. I'll take the stick. I'll take the popsicle stick and I will lose the iPad or whatever it might be. Same thing with whining. Okay, asking for things over and over again. This one is similar to whining, but sometimes even if the voice is normal, a child would not stop mentioning something, right? Asking for it over and over and over again. Or asking for the same thing but with different words or in different ways. Um, for one thing, don't say, we'll see. 
Uh, if you don't know the answer, create a definite time it will be solved. Dad and I will talk tonight and we'll give you an answer at bedtime. Okay? Gray is we'll see. Black and white is we'll give you an answer at this time. If you have the final answer, use signal words. I'm going to give you my final answer. What do you need to do with my final answer? And he should say accept it and not ask again. If he asks again after you've used the final answer signal words, then you could use something similar to the fighting chart or the whining chart. If the child is older, you can simply give him one chance. You asked that earlier and I gave my final answer. You are getting a forgiveness for asking again. What do you need to do with this final answer? All right. Now this sounds a little bit laborious, but you know what? They figure out a lot of things really easily, right? And if they can figure out how to manipulate things to get their own way, they can also figure out how to say, accept your answer and not ask again. Or change my voice, I'll be right back. Or whatever it might be that you're, that you're choosing to have him you do. He can definitely do those things, whatever those things might be. Um... So those are just three common uh, problems that you that we can encounter with preschoolers, and the reason that um, I I recommend handling them in this these ways is because if you've been to our parenting seminar, you know that we talk about childishness and we talk about foolishness, and generally speaking, bickering over toys and a four-year-old and a three-year-old squabbling over the best seat or whatever. I mean, those could be hard issues a little bit later, but when they're three and four, they both want to play with the pirate ship. They can't seem to share it at the same time. That's They're not like going into the day saying, I am going to ruin the day for mom, and I am going to fight with my brother, and I'm going to do this pre-meditated uh, um, occurrence, uh, action. Right, And so because of that, it is still childishness. He is still just unable to seem to control himself. He is unable to uh, figure out what to do in situations, to solve problems on his own. Right? And that's why he has mom and dad. And that's why I, if, if there's any way that you can spend most of the days with your preschoolers, I really recommend it because they, they need you. They need you to be teaching them all of these things. Who is going to teach them? Who is going to teach them that when an authority says something, that should be the final answer unless the authority has given you permission to discuss it? When is he going to learn that, you know, if I can't share, I'm going to get a consequence for it. It's not just going to be whoever's louder, whoever's meaner. You know, when is he going to learn that um, asking for things over and over again is not a correct behavior in life? And he's going to learn that by spending the day with you. He's going to learn that from you. So um, I want to review real quickly uh, some things that are important to note on these childish lack of impulse control type of behaviors that a preschooler can have that can just drive us crazy. All right. There's a note. I hope you can see uh, in the handout, the note at the bottom. Uh, even though you are not fulfilling the consequence immediately, he should always go get the consequence consequence immediately. In other words, he is taking it himself, either with the consequence stick, the popsicle stick, whatever it might be. I mean, you can get creative and do other things, you know, but um, I like the popsicle stick or something where it's written on it better than just maybe like moving a marble over. 
or something like that. I know, you know, sometimes that works for weight loss. <laughs> I'm on a lot of weight loss pages, so I know they have the marbles, you know, pounds yet to lose and pounds I've lost, and that might be good for adults, but uh, for preschoolers, that's not very tangible. And even though your preschool are as tangible as it could be, and even though your preschooler can't read, you know, you could even put, put a picture on it, you know, um, and you're not going to work at fighting, whining, and asking over and over again all at the same time anyway. So, you know, you could have, uh, you know, two a little picture of two kids squabbling equals, and then the TV with an X on it, you know, two kids squabbling equals no TV or whatever. Um, the, the putting the, the frowny stickers on either the whining chart or the fighting chart, that is important because there are a couple things that happen. For one thing, you're super busy and you can lose track of how many times it's been. And you know, he can say, no, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. And you won't be saying, I've told you over and over and over again. There's a definite there's a definite time period where, you know what, this is enough. And you're going to painlessly see when that ends as opposed to wondering if it's time. And, oh, yeah, now you're in trouble kind of thing. It's very, very black and white. And he's doing it also. Like I said, he's doing that. So even though the consequence might be tonight, if he's four or five, you know, it might be tonight or it might be Saturday with no electronics or whatever it might be. Or maybe he watches cartoons on Saturday morning, no Saturday morning cartoons, whatever. Um, by getting the consequence immediately in his hand, it is linked immediately to the behavior. Um, it is The decision has been made ahead of time, so it's never a shock to him. You know, it, it's really not fair you think about laws in our culture, you know, they, everything is linked. You know, the, the, if you do this, these are the potential consequences. These are the number of years in prison. This is the type of prison. I mean, everything is linked. And I'm not, I'm not trying to associate children with prison. But I'm just saying that it's really not fair to him to just all of a sudden be so tired of his whining. That's fine. That's fine. You've whined enough. You've whined all day. So now it's no iPod for the rest of the day. Make it black and white. Make it black and white so that you don't have to get to your wit's end and he doesn't have to wonder when you might get to your wit's end. You've decided with him and our dad ahead of time. It's not just you saying this is going to happen. And he has this physical action of getting the consequence stick or the post-it note or the index card or whatever. And he's putting it on himself. He's made the consequence. I'm going and I'm moving this over myself because I have chosen to do this. So I'm choosing the consequence. So I hope that this was some help to you. These methods can definitely be used with older kids, older than six years old, especially if you homeschool. Um, I would say that it wouldn't be unreasonable to use this up to age 10 uh, for some of these things. But the earlier you start getting a handle on these things, the less likely you will be to have those things happening later. Um, and you won't maybe have to deal with them as much. Um, I, I, I know I keep talking about those blocks of time, but I will say that... I had three little boys in a row. I had three little girls in a row, then I had three little boys in a row. First, I had one boy, then three girls and three boys. The three little boys now are 22, 20, and 17. So they were under five, three boys under five. And um, five, three, and you know, a few months old, six, four, and one and a half years old. And so um, they got to got accustomed to a type of schedule where they actually didn't have enough time to get everything done that they wanted to do in a day. 
and their their little planning and their little scheming together and their little playing together just delights me to look back. I look back on those preschool years and I think, oh my word, I gave them the very best thing that I could give them. I gave them me. I gave them each other. I gave them predictability. I gave them a schedule of sorts that they could count on. I gave them educational opportunities. I gave them learning experiences through reading all the time. I gave them uh, impulse. I helped them learn impulse control and self-discipline by not just letting them do whatever they wanted all day and by not just letting them have electronics all the time where they would never learn self-discipline. I gave them the ability to focus and to love learning by providing learning opportunities for them and by providing times when they could just all by themselves focus on something. And, and I'm happy. I'm happy that I did that. And I'm really grateful that I was led to, to parent in this way and that now I can look back and my three boys love learning. They're just, they're, they're all three in college and they all just love learning. And, um, they have really good time management skills and and just a lot of really good things. And, and I like to believe that it started in these preschool years. I like to believe that, that it really did make a difference. And furthermore, they're pretty good friends, too. And um, I do know that that happened right here in this home during those preschool years, as they called it, during brother bondage time instead of brother bonding. So um, anyway, I hope this has helped. I've got a lot of links at the bottom that you can check out. Um, if you have a one and two-year-old, go to some of those links and set the stage, set the foundation for that one and two-year-old. Thank you for listening. This has been Donna Reesh. Character Inc., Raising Kids with Character, Homeschooling with Character. I have some new preschool curriculum. Check out at the Character Inc. blog, um, how to learn your ABCs to recognize the letters as well as the sounds, and um, just some simple ways for teaching that. And so check those out. They're called uh, Letters and Sounds, a couple of books there that I have at the Character Inc. blog. Thank you for joining us.